1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the wrap-up, what we're calling the win of the season edition of the wrap-up, where the Toronto Raptors just beat the Denver Nuggets 127-115 to 115 on the second night of a back-to-back after beating the Phoenix Suns last night in Phoenix, tonight in Denver, in altitude, a game not a lot of people picked them to win. And also they were without Fred Van Vliet. So just a really incredible showing um having some echo here not sure whose fault that is but just so you guys know but yeah a uh, couple things I did not have on the bingo card tonight I'll tell you right now one of them was Armani Brooks getting the start as well as Precious Achua which is weird especially after Nurse kind of answered a question pre-game about why he liked Birch in the starting lineup and and Precious and Boucher off the bench together so that was confusing not saying it was a bad decision but it was uh, it, it was a decision the other thing I did not have on my bingo card Don is right now um, the other thing I didn't have on my bingo card was random but Chris Boucher um, bringing up Brittany Griner, who's in Russia currently detained in Russia in his post game press conference shout out to him didn't really know he was political like that And was very surprised by those two things today, but I got Kyle Brickman today. And I think what's best is like, why don't we go through a bunch of players today? Because it felt like everyone showed up and really just like they got a sustained effort from their bench, especially who pulled them together in that fourth quarter. But who do you want to start with?
0: I, I I would be it would be disingenuous to start with anyone other than Pascal. I know it's weird, it's like feels kind of buried because the end of the game didn't really feature him. They went on this huge run and he like mm-hmm. there was a point in which I thought he wasn't gonna check in for Banton, like they were just gonna close the game without right. Siakam on the floor. Um, but he did carry them for stretches again, like Gary did last night, um, through poor shooting stretches. So this team has really settled into
1: I think you're muted.
0: Enough to stop. Oh, the oh there
1: you go. There you go. Again, I, I can't How long was yeah, I muted for? Who you knows? You're muted for a little while there. That hurts. <laughs> a little while, but what were you? What were you saying? Just say it again. Uh, yeah, essentially, like it. It. Uh...
0: It's incredible that Pascal can carry them for stretches like this, just like Gary did last night. And it's it's perfect. It's what the team needs. All they need is one guy to carry them for a little while. And the bench is good enough to basically uh, withstand any sort of off shooting night from anyone. Gary, uh, you know, I, I didn't actually think that like anyone else even performed poorly tonight other than Gary.
1: No, exactly. I uh, totally agree. We're, we won't slander Gary too much because there's really no point. But, yeah, on Pascal, it's a good point that, like, even though the bench unit really carried them to the win, and we'll talk about that unit, it was Pascal who early in their game kept them in it. And, and he had, like, 25 points by, like, halftime. He, he had a really great first half and finished the game with 33, you know, five and seven and two steals. The other guy who kind of carried them, I think, uh, was Scotty Barnes, who you see throw this. That this was a great pass. pass. It was, was forget- an awesome pass. I forget who tweeted this, but it was it that was the exact same pass that you used to see Kyle Lowry throw to Pascal. So that was kind of fun to see. And you're seeing a lot of these Pascal highlights. You see a lot of Barnes two-man action that kind of starts off this stuff that leads to Pascal, but really both of them both Pascal and and Scotty scored in a lot of the same ways tonight, I think, which was in the post or in that floater range and just, just kind of having really good touch tonight because Jokic, you know, he's pretty underrated defensively, but what he does is he does take away the rim and he makes guys kind of shoot from that floater range over him. And he made them do that tonight, but they just kind of made him pay in a lot of cases. So scotty also had 10 assists which is a career high for him and him and pascal really carried the way any thoughts on scotty before we move on
0: i've got plenty i mean in general the way he kind of has established himself as a as a closer on this team is really impressive and i'm not sure if it's necessarily because he's he's has more like trust from his teammates now or whether he's being more aggressive but he late in games is a legitimate force on both ends of the floor. Like, he had that offensive rebound kick out to Boucher, he scored in, in transition. He, uh, he had a couple tips. Like, he's indispensable. I, I, I can't imagine that's a single lineup, uh, closing lineup that I wouldn't want Scotty in. And I think you can only really say that about like three players in this team, and that's Scotty, Pascal, and Fred.
1: Yeah, maybe, yeah, but I think you're right. I don't know if it's a if it's a energy thing or a conditioning thing that recently he just has that energy in the fourth to close out games, because it wasn't always like this this season. Um, but you're definitely right that he, he kind of gets better as the game goes on and he's been just making really, really clutch plays these last couple weeks at the end of the games. And I don't know really what we can contribute it to other than maybe just one conditioning and then two, learning a little bit more the NBA game, the system, the the opposing team. You know, now he's playing teams for the second time, a lot of cases, rather than the first time. So can learn some tendencies of players offensively and and kind of make them pay. Um, but. Let's move on because there's really, like, I want to go rapid fire just because there's so many guys to get to today who oh, I had games that, that we should talk about. I got some um,
0: I think third billing has to be Chris Boucher. Yeah. Is that where you were going? We can go there. To me, Chris had the third best game of anyone on the floor. Like, he was – maybe not anyone on the floor. Jokic played well. Yeah, but aside from Jokic, like, he was one of the – Five best players in the floor tonight. He closed the game. That unit, um, he was part of the two units in the fourth that took over. The first one being like Banton, Barnes, Thad, Boucher, and Birch. A lot of bees in that lineup, by the way. That's like that's a mouthful. Um, and then the you know the same lineup with uh, Siakam in for Banton. I thought he was incredible. I'm I'm a hundred percent in on like him closing games. I, I don't know. Like he he had a stretch defensively and just on the glass, like a stretch of effort that I th- I think kind of might not have been there all the time earlier, and that's why people are frustrated with him. But he's working his ass off, and it, it shows. And he and and it's a bonus. It's just gravy when he knocks down shots. So I'm all in on Boucher.
1: Yeah, and so if it, you can see. I think we have to scroll a little bit, or or is it right here? No, yeah, you can see Ken Birch, Delano Benton, Chris Boucher, Thad Young, and Scotty Barnes start the fourth quarter and just go on this incredible run together, you know, plus 18, plus 15. Like, they, they you know, on one hand... Um, jokic was on the bench when this run started and demarcus cousins wasn't really having things go his way but on the other hand i looked at the lineup and said there's literally not a three-point shooter here sir can we get some and it didn't even matter like no it it was just the strategy was just like someone creates some sort of opening so you can get a shot on the rim and then four guys crash the offensive boards So Chris Boucher had nine offensive rebounds, which is insane. Almost, almost the double, double just off offensive boards. But in total, the Raptors had 23 offensive rebounds to nine for the Nuggets. More crazy than that, they had 23 offensive rebounds to 27 defensive rebounds. So they literally almost had as many offensive as defensive, which is like a good thing and also a bad thing. But, um, yeah, that was really the story of the game. The Raptors out hustled them and killed them on the boards all night. And and even in the clutch when Scotty kind of got his own rebound. There was there was a whole lot of that, you know. But you're right, that Boucher had a really, really impressive game. He was kind of everywhere. He also had four blocks. Um Yeah, and he got the Kayla interview at the end. So he was he was uh kind of warranted let's talk about a couple other guys in that group since we're already on it um thad young i thought probably had his best stretch as a raptor in the fourth quarter absolutely you know three steals and they were all kind of dig downs right under the basket where it looked like a guy was going to go up and dunk and then all of a sudden thad's hands were in there and he was ripping the ball loose and then he was taking it the other way and making good plays in transition he had the alley-oop to, to um, Ken Birch. He had this little nifty floater. He had the floater for the and one. Um, it was a game where he didn't really bring anything in the first half, and you didn't really expect this. And then all of a sudden, he steps off in the fourth quarter with this really, really youthful group. And he kind of is the glue of this group, I think. He's the connector, and on defense he he's kind of the low man. He gets them organized, so yeah, it was a really, really good Thad Young game.
0: Yeah, I've been super critical of the Thad Young move, but tonight was really the first night where I, I can admit like, oh, this is what they were going for. This is what they wanted. They wanted like a sense of responsibility with a bench group, which they had. Uh, this It happened to be that this bench group was the closing group, which is, again, never a problem. This is reminiscent of like those uh, sort of 2019 Raptors where like, like nurse would just keep in the bench guys. Cause it's like, they're playing better. I'm sorry. If like, I'm sorry, Danny green, you're sitting on the bench cause Norm Powell's having a great night. Like this is sort of felt like had the same vibe as those classic teams and just every single bench player played terrifically. And I think you have to credit a lot of that, that group success to Thad Young. He was just moving the ball. Well, Um, not a terrific shooting night. Uh, Like he missed that three and, like he, the shots he did make were basically like little, like basically all layups, but um, I, I just thought he had everything going for him um, playmaking wise. And he is really, really smart. He's in all the right places defensively and he keeps the ball moving offensively. And that's really all you can ask for.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you say he organizes the bench unit, it's like organized chaos, right? Cause their whole identity is to be chaotic and crash the boards and all that. But this was the best example of like what organized chaos looks like. I think in that offensively, they didn't have a ton of strategy other than crash the boards, but at least they were running in transition. They were making the nuggets pay for DeMarcus cousins, complaining about fouls. They were organized on defense and getting steals. So all those things you can do, even with the identity of a chaotic second unit and, Other guy I want to talk about who I thought had a similar game to Thad was Kem Birch because very weird, very weird minutes distribution. He, He barely played in the first half, didn't start. That was confusing to me because he had such a good close to the game in Phoenix, but he also came in that fourth quarter and killed it defensively, hit a couple shots, you know, six offensive rebounds which was probably the big thing for burch in 21 minutes. It was him and Boucher together were kind of leading that charge. So, yeah, like yeah, what do you think about Birch?
0: Yeah, Birch has always been one of those guys where like even if he's not a dynamic rebounder, the team rebounds, his team's rebound better when he's on the floor, which indicates like he's boxing out well or he's bringing a lot of rim pressure, but I mean, he's not bringing a lot of rim pressure. It it would impact in indicate that of a player. I think Ken Birch, indicates that he boxes out really well. And I, all those offensive rebounds, a lot of those are Ken Birch, just like diving to the hoop, occupying the best rebounder in the other team and letting Scotty get to the glass or letting someone else get to the glass. And um much has been made of this Achua V Birch stuff. A lot of it by us on this podcast, but Hey, Birch was plus 19 tonight. Achua was minus two. I get that plus minuses and everything but a 21 point difference is not insignificant. That can't just be explained by like always playing against the bench versus playing against the starters. Like Ken Birch brings something to this team. The team kind of, especially nights like tonight plays better with Ken Birch on the floor. So maybe it's something I'm willing to admit that when I'm advocating for Precious over Birch, it's it's probably just over my head. I think that that, uh, that nurse has it right. Like clearly he knows what he's doing. Ken Birch is a net positive, especially I'm happy that he gave him a chance tonight because it, it worked out perfectly. So uh, all credit to nurse and, and credit to Birch. He had a great game.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, Nick finally answered the question that because has kind of been asked to him before, which was like, why is Birch starting? And he answered that pregame if anyone wants to go back and listen. And He did give a good answer in terms of Birch does a lot of things that don't show up on the stat sheet. He's really good. I think he likes in the pick and roll, for example, when they guarded uh, Booker last night, when they trap or double in the pick and roll, Birch is smart so he can make split second decisions after that double. Do I go to the rim? Do I go to the corner? Like, where does the next action go? I think he makes those decisions much quicker than Precious does. Um, But I thought what was interesting today is, is like we've had this conversation so much recently. You're right that Birch was better than Precious tonight pretty clearly. Um Precious went four for six from three, though. Shout out to him.
0: No, I, I did want but, to mention that. I did yeah.
1: think like
0: he, he was um, five for ten from the field, four for six from three, which means that he was one for five in every other shot. And there was a lot of like trying to attack Jokic in space and, like, travel turnover or, like, weird sort of hop dribble-type, like, turnover or gets into trouble. But it doesn't actually matter when he's shooting the ball like this. He's become a shooter, like a like a knockdown shooter. And it's ridiculous. I get a lot of these are open, but he's making contested shots from three. Yeah. So I, I actually this is maybe the opposite of what I expected him from him from the beginning of the year. I kind of expected like, Oh, he'd get better in isolation. He'd become a better decision maker, but the shooting will never be there and that's something we'll have to deal with. It, it actually went the other way. It was like, Oh, he's actually, he's, he's kind of an excellent shooter now. um, And he's, he still has terrible decision-making problems and he still makes all these weird rookie mistakes or young guy mistakes. So I guess, again, that shows how much I know. And also on top of that, like, I don't know. It, it it gives me hope. All he needs to do is clean up a couple things and he could be a real potent threat for this team.
1: It's really interesting. The shooting, like I'm not, I'm not all the way there and saying like he's reliable yet because sample sizes with three point shots kind of have to be bigger before it levels off. But people have been saying like Blake sweet is, is kind of makes the point that I was going to make. People have been saying like, wow, since the all-star break precious is shooting it well, like, He's shooting over 40% going back to January 1st of this year and 38% on the season. I didn't even realize that until this tweet, but it's it goes back like how well he's been shooting the ball. So definitely a very useful skill, even when like on a night like tonight, he he's not like at his peak defensively or within the paint. But back to the Boucher or the, the Cam Precious thing is just like, you know, Precious getting the start today was very encouraging to me because it shows that it seems like they're just going to go matchup-based going forward here, and I think it's right to think that Precious is a better matchup on Jokic than uh, Kem is just because he's a little stronger than Kem and he can fight for post position a little bit more. You know, there's going to be matchups where Kem is, is better, I think, against quicker, you know teams that play in in the pick and roll a lot like a phoenix that spread you out and make you make multiple decisions multiple actions so that's all i really want to see is like w- rather my complaint was really like why is chem guaranteed these starter minutes and so it seems now that the coaching staff is going to be more matchup based which is kind of what i like and and anyways this is kind of a stupid argument because og's supposed to come back this week fred is back so They're obviously going to go back to that normal starting five, and then we can stop having this argument.
0: Yeah, and I look forward to it. I look forward to when the bench isn't an issue, and I think, honestly, like we're getting close to the point where I have a lot of faith in this bench. And just one last thing on Achua. It's still worth noting he has the fifth-worst true shooting percentage in the entire NBA. So I get that he's hitting threes. The analytics still absolutely hate him. And Andrew, I agree, but he had a good night tonight. Kem had a terrific night tonight, and he was he was like plus fourteen in the fourth quarter, like whatever, plus eighteen and in the stretch he played. Like, I mean, what do you want me to say? I don't know what to say. He was good tonight.
1: Yeah, I also don't know if uh if uh this person where I oh Steve Lamb, nope, sorry, let me find the tweet. If Steve Lamb wants to explain this comment, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the breakdown on this one because I disagree. Uh, OK, I thought Banton was kind of fine today. Better than kind of past showings. He had five assists, but nothing really crazy stood out. Uh, any thoughts on him or can we move?
0: I I, I would give him more credit than fine again i i think that like once you're part of that group that goes in a run like that against good competition like this is a great team i'm gonna give him i'm gonna upgrade him from fine and he also had that
1: good to what what's your
0: and he did have that one really like late in the shot clock bucket over uh i guess it must have been cousins like really tough take so that alone brings him up from fine to good
1: okay he's he was good tonight fine um armani brooks I thought was good tonight, even though he only went one, one for four. Definitely surprised me. I kind of thought he was more of this three point shooting specialist because that's mostly what we heard. And he's also a shooting guard in a point guard's body. Like he's really skinny, really small, but he has really good hands defensively. I think that's what stood out to me more than anything. Two steals, a whole lot of deflections tonight and just like moved off the ball really well, really smartly knew where to be relocating. Yeah, and defensively really impressed me. So Armani Brooks, like, I I thought it wasn't a bad decision to start him just from a, like, perspective of he's on a 10 day and they haven't seen a whole lot. So you got to make a decision soon on on him and you might as well get some more reps. I did not expect him to play 22 minutes tonight, but that's just a credit to him.
0: Yeah, I think he's also the type of guy you can start because it's like he's not going to harm you offensively by taking bad shots. Mm-hmm. And he's a good shooter, so he spaces the floor. Um, I was really impressed with him. Uh, he has a six nine wingspan, so even though he's only six three, he's still long. He still gets his hands like all in the lane, and um, I kind of see like he he's a better playmaker than I expected. I kind of get like a Norman Powell vibe from him. Do you, do you see that? Like maybe I don't know. He didn't really get the chance to show off his athleticism, but I thought he kind of moved like Norman has a similar body.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: So I'm all. I think they should sign him for the rest of the season. He's a relatively proven shooter, and they need guard help. Who knows how long Fred's going to be dealing with this injury? So I'm all in. I think they should. They got to lock that dude up like as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, I also think like you'll remember in the championship season, Jody Meeks minutes where they just needed to drop a three and and get someone in. Like they don't have anyone right now on their bench who they can drop those threes for. I think he, if he were to get signed for the rest of the season, like realistically in the playoffs, that could be his role. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think that's, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like from the names I've heard right now, I think yeah. just not a lot of
0: winners out there. Like <laughs> we, I'm, I'm happy with Armani Brooks compared to the rest of the field.
1: For sure. Especially in terms of just, it's, it's a really good fit for what they need. And when one of their guards goes down, they they obviously need depth at that position they need depth at the shooting just anyone who can shoot and for him to step into starting lineup in denver like that and play that well that just shows that like he has some composure he's ready for the moment and yeah really good game for him
0: do you, do you buy in can i ask you do you buy into this like um it's hard to play at altitude thing cuz all these guys like already go to train at altitude anyway. There's in such good, like, the like playing in Denver was tough in the early 90s because it's like guys were like chain smoking at halftime for the previous right. decade of basketball, but like, I don't know if it's that hard to play in Denver anymore. I don't believe, like, I don't think that it, everyone's like, oh, we're up at altitude. Like, I I don't know. I don't don't believe in it. I don't believe in it.
1: I kind of believe in it. Like, just in the sense that your legs probably get a little more heavy than normally. But yeah, you're right. Compared to like the chain smoking halftime days, it's probably a lot less significant than it was back then. And like, well, like we talked about last episode, the Raptors are one of the most well conditioned teams in the league. I didn't think it affected them that much. I see on the timeline every single freaking Raptors game, people being like, at some point, people being like, looks like the legs are getting heavy, looks like the Raptors are just too tired for this one. It's like, you can't say this every game. Like, there's just, other teams are going to go on runs. It can't always be the excuse that the Raptors are getting tired. Um,
0: No, no, let me just say this. I'm not saying it doesn't affect you at all. I'm saying there isn't as big of a, like a home court advantage, as people claim. No, no. you believe the Earth is flat. Is no, like, <laughs> I don't. I don't believe that. Like the um, the 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 like Nuggets like live there half the year, and it's like Oh, they're way more accustomed to this. Is a huge advantage. Like I, I, don't know. I think it affects everyone equally. I, I don't buy it.
1: Yeah, well, modern medicine is too good. Lee Lee is is feeling you, so that's all that matters, man. Um, okay, last thoughts on the game anything we didn't hit on on the game
0: no I'm, I'm happy
1: okay well i'm gonna give you the esteemed honor of picking oh okay of picking the can-am tax man of the night you know the tsn broadcast gave it to a combination of siakam Barnes, and boucher which was a real top out answer tsn um who is your is it one of those three You going off the board here who are you picking
0: I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go on the board. I'm gonna go Chris Boucher. I'm a hundred percent in on Chris Boucher. I thought he had a great night. And again, th- this is sort of like Taxman to me means who performed way over expectation. I think mm-hmm. Chris Boucher performed way better than anyone really ever like expected tonight, and he deserves it. I, I you know he deserves his praise. He gets more he gets more criticism than anyone in the history of this this cast, so I'm going to give Chris Boucher the tax. There.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you right now the loser of the night went to me. Um 1 point short on the on the 2500 plus parlay. So loser of the night goes to Oren because Jokic didn't score 27, he scored 26, but tax man of the night goes to Chris Boucher who scored um 21 points on eight of 15 shooting, along with nine offensive rebounds, 13 total rebounds, and four blocks. Yeah, Chris Boucher, man. Great, great stuff. And for all you listeners, go to canamtax.com. Tax season is, it's started. It's, it's here. I think you got to get it done by April in Canada. And, uh, yeah, Can-Am Tax will help you get it done and they'll, they'll actually get you the money back that you deserve. So don't try to do one of those cheapo, Free TurboTax options. Go to canamtax.com and get back the money that you so desperately deserve. All right. Um, Other than that, we wanted to keep it to a short episode tonight. It is the second back, half of a back-to-back, and it's midnight uh, in Toronto where we are. So almost ready to get out of here, but maybe we'll pull up a schedule and then just kind of go off of that. say some final thoughts maybe we can get to a question or a comment Uh, let's just see not really any questions okay so the raptors have a whopping two days off wait three days off i haven't even heard of this for the raptors three days off i'm gonna go sun tanning okay Three days off before they are in LA to play the Clippers, then, then it says versus the Lakers, but that's at the Lakers. That's that's just I think wrong on Google's part because I know they're on a long road trip right now. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, it's not, it's not. Okay, this guy long conned me. Okay, the Raptors play on Monday, so they just have one day (laughs) off. Uh. They play the Lakers on Monday, then then Clippers on Wednesday, and then back to Los Angeles. We got the two wins. We got the two that we needed in this in this four-game kind of kind of thing. So yeah, how how confident are you feeling about the Raptors?
0: Um, I just know LeBron is gonna see the Raptors jersey and he like he just has another gear in him against Toronto, but um I'm very confident. I think, again, like I'm, I always like, uh, I always vacillate between like incredibly down on this team and incredibly high in this team, but I'm sure. back in. I don't <laughs> care. These are two huge wins on a road trip back to back at altitude, at <laughs> least since we're allowed to say that, at altitude tonight in Denver. So I'm, I'm 100% in. I, I can see <laughs> them winning the next three pretty easily. And 20. Philly, Philly has sort of mentioned, um, that they're going to be like strategically resting Embiid and Harden specifically because they want to avoid the Nets in the play and just the way the seating works out. So, or the Nets in, the I guess would what would be the first round the way the seating would work out. So, uh, who knows if they sit against Toronto, that's a win. Chicago will be a close game. It's the second out of a back-to-back on the road. Who knows? And then then they get into Cleveland, where it's like. It's yeah. Probably the biggest game of the season. That winning right. game is going to determine seeding. So for sure. Big stretch here.
1: For sure. Um, worth noting that the that the Cleveland has the tiebreaker already over Toronto. So even if Toronto ties Cleveland, they would have to actually have a, a better record than Cleveland by the end of the season. But uh yeah, I agree with you. A couple of things to note here. Who guards LeBron James? Worth noting that OG is supposed to be back. On Tuesday, we'll see if he is. That was the two-week window. And then he becomes the obvious option. But yeah, either Pascal or Barnes, they'll take turns, I'm sure. I like this question. If we can get to it, um, who guards
0: the the, the biggest advantage the Raptors have is like um the the vaccine mandates in, in Canada. Kyrie Irving can't play I'd say maybe the second biggest advantage is that I I think the best lineups for the Nets are going to be super guard heavy like Kyrie and Curry on the floor at the same time just because they'll need the shooting mm-hmm. and the Raptors will be able to attack that they're the Raptors are their best lineups are pretty long uh can all have a decent like you know have a decent post-up game so I think you're going to see a lot of like Scotty Barnes posting up uh Seth Curry or like, you know, Thad Young posts up on like Joe Harris type. I think that you're going to see a whole lot of that. And I I would assume that's the biggest advantage.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Even if Kyrie plays and there's a vaccine mandate, they're, they're just kind of a small team. I mean, it's interesting because if Simmons is back, then they can kind of shape shift into a bigger team. But the way that they've been playing recently and the way they've looked best is with a few guards on the floor And so, like you said, the post-ups, like, Scotty is going to have mismatches. OG is going to have mismatches. And then, just like Steve said, the offensive rebounding is another huge, huge thing. Huge advantage. Obviously, they have Drummond. But after Drummond, you know, their backup center is, like, sometimes Claxton, but he's not really reliable. More likely, Aldridge, who's not, like, a big rebounder. So, I think, yeah, you're right. Those two things. And, And defensively, you know... If Kyrie's not there, I actually think the Raptors are really well positioned to kind of send the extra help to KD. And then, okay, KD is now passing it to like Seth Curry. You're okay with that. You're not like freaking out about it because if Kyrie's not there to become the second side guy and then, you know, tear apart a shift of defense, it's like, Steph Curry and Patty Mills are doing that and you're just not that afraid of that you're 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 not going to be that afraid to like box in one KD or double KD off like I want if Kyrie's not playing in that game I want them double teaming KD off the rip like off the tip off so I think those are kind of the two advantages just like the sense that the Raptors already are an aggressive team who does this as stars. So it won't be like a a big mentality shift for them to do that in the Nets game.
0: Yeah, I I agree completely. Um, They did like, yeah, the strategy is like basically make Andre Drummond, like the focal point of their offense, like, Oh, we're double teaming Kevin Durant, Andre Drummond demand a million post-ups and like that can just be your whole offense. I don't care. And that's going to be frustrating for the Nets and it'll be great for the, uh, For the Raptors. So I guess Lakers on Monday and also on Friday, I believe. Uh, Before we go, do you want OG thrown right at LeBron on his first day back? A guy who's like dropped 50 twice in a week type thing. you want? (laughs) Because I don't want OG on
1: LeBron. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like they switch every screen. So these like talking points are always like overplayed. But like... OG's not gonna play like forty minutes his first night, uh, like back. And I I think you don't play someone unless they're ready to take on like every matchup because, like we said, like they switch. So yeah, I'm a, I I don't really mind it. Like if OG's ready to play, then he's ready to play. If he's not, then they shouldn't play him and they should wait it out. That's kind of where I'm at with that. But yeah, the the Cavs lost today, by the way. So the Raps are only one game back of them after today. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. We got to get out of here. It's it's past midnight. I got to go to sleep. Um, but yeah, Raptors beating the Nuggets. Maybe the best win of the season. Really, really impressive bench run in the fourth to carry out the win. And this has been the wrap up. I'm Oren. That's Kyle. And we got Don Yang producing the show behind the scenes. Thank you for tuning in. Like the video on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. And we'll be back on Monday night after the Raptors take on the Lakers. See you then.